since I started my assignment here, I've been driving a lot more than I'm used to. So it, it, I live at the, on campus at the Studer Center and basically never left. Here, because I'm part-time here and part-time at the Pastoral Center, three days a week I have a 30-minute commute from here to Shreveport from the driving hall. And I've been actually enjoying the drive because it gives me a little chance. It's a 30-minute window where like, I can't, it's like my little space. I can listen to music or listen to podcasts or to talk or pray or do whatever. It's like this given 30-minute window. But what I don't like when I'm driving is when I'm driving through rain. When I'm driving through rain, that just makes everything that much more stressful. And like, especially when we're going on like longer trips or going on like a vacation or something, driving, you know, hours through a storm, or like I'm following the storm along, is just like the most exhausting thing because everyone's slower, everyone's a little more tense. I have these visions of hydroplaning and seeing these cars, and so everyone's just a little bit more careful. There's an anxiety and anxiousness, a tense nature about the drive, everyone kind of seems to be feeling the same thing. So those drives, when it's raining, are not enjoyable. They're, I finish and I'm like, gosh, I need a nap now. It's just exhausting to drive through, through, through that kind of weather. And I say that to kind of set up the gospel where, where we see the disciples today. Um, so if you remember, last week, the gospel started after he had fed the people, right? So last week it was evening, and Jesus needed food, Jesus multiplied the loaves, fed the 5,000 people, 5,000 men, plus the women and children, from five loaves and two fish. It's great here. Everyone's probably bursting with excitement at what had just happened and what they witnessed. So it's later in the evening, and Jesus sends the disciples into a boat to go across the shore. And he says, I'll meet you there. You go in the boat right now and, 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 and head out. So it's nighttime. The, the apostles are in this boat, and a storm comes up. Now, they're fishermen, at least some of them are, so it's not like they've never been in a storm before. The, 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 the translation that we heard said that the storm, the ship was being tossed around, which is kind of, and the, the actual word is something more like tortured and tormented. Um, so it wasn't just like a light storm that the apostles knew, knew how to handle. Um, it was difficult. There was difficulty in what they were doing. They were being tormented by this. And they were alone. If you, this, is not, this isn't the first time we've seen the apostles in a storm at sea. But last time, Jesus was in the boat, at least. He was sleeping, but he was in the boat. They woke him up, and he calmed everything. Now, they're in this storm that's tormenting them and torturing them. And they're alone, because Jesus made them get into this boat and go into the storm. And so they're fighting with this storm until the scripture says, the fourth watch of the night. Now, the night, that time, was broken up into four watches, until so the fourth watch is the last one, which was somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That was the fourth watch. So if they left the evening before, and now it's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., let's say it's 3 a.m. to give them the benefit of the doubt, they've been back in the storm probably for at least six hours. Imagine driving through torrential downpours where you can't even see the road at night, let's, let's add at night, for six hours, I just pull over and give up. You can't do that when you're in a boat on the sea, in the middle of the land. So these apostles are 100% probably, I would be exhausted. They're drained, probably anxious, probably a little bit afraid because like I'm nowhere near land, this isn't exactly a safe situation 
this storm is, is, is tormenting us, are we going to make it? And then, to top it all off, they look out into the distance and see this guy walking on the water, and then they, they think it's a ghost. And that's almost like that is, that becomes the tipping point. The storm, like, we were kind of, we're trying to manage it, but we're scared and we're not really know if we can do it. But then they see this ghost coming, and, and that's it. That's what brings them to this point of surrender. They cry out in fear. They say, uh, we, we can't do this alone. We can't, we can't do this. We don't know what to do. All I can do is just cry out in fear. And it's at that moment of surrender, it says, immediately, Jesus said, I think some of the most important words that he ever says in Scripture. Take heart. Have courage. It is I. And do not be afraid. Have no fear. He waits until they're at that moment of surrender, that moment where they say, I can't do it. And then he immediately speaks those words. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Peter then responds to that with, I think, a pretty bold question. If I was on that boat, I don't know what was going through Peter's mind when he asked this question, but he says, Lord, if it is you, call me to come to you on the water. It's almost like Peter saying, because he's not, he didn't ask Jesus to let him walk on the water. He says, Lord, let me come to you. It's almost like he's saying, yeah, like, it is Jesus. And if I'm with Jesus, I know I'm going to be saved. So, Lord, I don't want to be in this boat anymore. Let me come to you. If I'm with you, if I'm with you, I'm saved. If I'm with you, nothing can go wrong. If I'm with you, I know that you're going to guide me through whatever it is. So, Lord, let me come to you. Let me be with you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter, I don't know what he's feeling at this moment, takes a step out of the boat and is walking on the water. It was faith that motivated him to ask that question. And it was his faith that allowed him to walk on the water because it was totally fixed on Jesus. That I just have to get to Jesus and everything's gonna be, I just have to keep my focus on Jesus and I'll get through the storm. And by keeping his focus on Jesus, he was literally walking over the storm. The storm had nothing, could, could not touch he was walking over that, like almost like showing his triumph over all these stormy winds and waves and seas. But then, he sees the waves. Then he sees the wind. And if he sees the waves and the wind, that means his, his focus has, has shifted. He, he's not locked in on Jesus anymore. He's looking at all of these other things. And it says, he begins to sink a little. That's another example of a not so, a light translation of what it actually says. It begins to sink a little, I imagine like, almost like a slow quicksand, like he's kind of slowly falling. He might be like ankle deep or, or knee deep in the water. But the, the word, the Greek word, literally means drown. Like plunge down. So when Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sees the waves, he begins to drown. 
like not a, a slow fade, but he plunges down. And he does the perfect thing for our sake, the perfect thing that, that whenever, whenever we lose focus, whenever our eyes are turned away, whenever we begin to drown, he does the perfect thing, the perfect response whenever we find ourselves in that situation. Lord, save me. Again, that moment of surrender. Sometimes it's a slow wearing out. We just get exhausted and say, I can't do it anymore. Sometimes it's an immediate drop. But that moment of surrender gives us to cry out, Lord, save me. And again, immediately, Jesus reaches his hand and grabs him. As soon as he cries out, Jesus is there to grab his hand and to pull him back up, to be with him. And Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think when we, we hear that, the tone is particularly important. Because when you see text, you can't, the, the bad thing about text is that you can't see the tone of, of, of what the writer's intended. So I got, part of it is like text and email communication because like I, I can read this a certain way, but the other person can read this a certain way, and we might be on a different wavelength. So you can read this, oh, you have a little faith, why did you doubt? It's like angry or disappointed or like, come on, right? But Jesus doesn't operate like that. Jesus doesn't show anger or, or, or frustration to his apostles. He speaks with, with, the, with the, an uplifting encouragement. A little bit of a correction, but an uplifting encouragement, like, almost like he's saying, like, what, what do you have to worry about? Like, I'm here. Why, why do you have to doubt? There's, there's nothing to fear, because I'm here. And they go back into the boat. And as soon as they're in the boat, they worship him. They did him homage. This is the Son of God. This whole process culminates and finds its fulfillment in worship. And then encountering God in their own hearts. That process that this gospel outlines has a lot to do with where we are in our own hearts and our lives in this world today, and our process of discipleship and of growing closer to the Lord. We, by nature, just want life's supposed to be easy, right? Everything's supposed to be good. I'm supposed to just be along, life is supposed to be easy. And we're kind of lulled into this illusion that once I get past this thing, then everything will settle down. Then everything will be okay. Once I get past, once COVID goes away, once we can go back to normal, then everything will be okay. Right? Except whenever this thing, whatever it is, goes away, then that's going to come. And then when that goes away, the next thing's going to come. And the next thing's going to come. Life is a con almost like, it seems like it could be a constant storm. Thinking of like, oh, it's not like it was normal before this. There was some crisis before this. The crisis just happens to change. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be some storm that we can look at and we can focus on. Jesus, in the midst of all of that, says to us very simply, very directly, very calmly, eyes on me. Look right here. No matter what, doesn't matter what the crisis of the day is, if you're looking right here, 
you're going to walk right over it. Not because of you, but because I'm here with you and I'm giving you everything that you need to walk over that stormy sea, to walk over that water. There's always going to be something, and there's always going to be that little temptation to focus on. And as soon as I focus on it, then just like Peter, I, I drown. Whenever I focus on the burdens of work, I, I drown. Whenever I focus on the struggles within my family or extended family, I drown. Whenever I focus on the challenges of ministry or all the things that I have to do that I don't think I can get done, whenever I focus on my own sin, down. And as soon as we find ourselves in that spot, because we're, none of us are going to be perfect, we, we're, we're, we're going to fall. We're not going to keep our eyes perfectly on Jesus. But as soon as we go away, and as soon as we, we start to drown, Lord, save me. That moment of surrender. Lord, save me. Lord, I need you. And immediately, Jesus reaches his hand to pull us out. He refocuses us and allows us to keep walking forward. And it may not be the way we expect it to. Elijah, in the first reading, did not expect to hear God in a little tiny calm voice. The apostles did not expect Jesus in a, in a storm to just calmly say, don't be afraid, it's me. They thought it was going to be big dramatic. Elijah was looking at the, 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 the fire, the wind, the earthquake, but it was in the little, calm, subtle ways. That's how God assures us. That's how God refocuses us. It is I. Do not be afraid. And no matter how many times we sing, call out. Because it's not something God gets tired of. Save me, save me, save me. It's like music to his ears. Because he gets to reveal himself to us anew. I am here. I am with you. Don't be afraid. That's the greatest desire of his heart. It's for us to call out and him to come to save us. Jesus' name literally means, I believe, God saves. So whenever our focus begins to shift, allow God to save. In that moment of surrender, call out, save me, Lord. And immediately, in some way, Jesus' hand is going to stretch out to lift you up. And as we come to this Mass to engage in the culmination of that, in the worship of God, receiving Jesus, as maybe perhaps as we come forward, that can be our line, save me, Lord. Let me receive you so that I can take you with me through every storm that I'm, that I'm experiencing in my life right now.